Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Supercharge My Practice podcast. Today, I have Lynn Horde, who is a copy queen and intuitive business mentor. For the past 10 years, she has supported soul-led businesswomen to craft a powerful message that attracts their ideal client, expresses the value of their work, and gets more people saying yes to working with them. Lynn, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Anil. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Excellent. So let's get started by getting to know you a little bit better. So how did you become the copywriting queen? Well, words, I have loved words my entire life. Uh, When I was a kid, I used to write poetry, do word puzzles. Uh, So it was always um, my thing. And then when I went to university, I was like, mom and dad, can I become a book writer? Like it was always my dream was to uh, be an author. And they were like, no, doesn't pay enough money. So do something (laughs) practical. So I became, I was like, fine. So I went and became a journalist. I majored in in journalism and did a communications degree and then went and worked in the media for, I think it was 17 years, um, mostly in print media, in newspapers and Uh, magazines and then one day I was like you know what I can run my own business doing something like this so about 10 years ago I started as a copywriter so I did straight up copywriting for people and then I trained as a coach became a copy coach uh, and that's led me to where I am now as the copy queen. Excellent now I have to say that I've been to your website before I started this interview to check you out a little bit more and I absolutely love your copy I think it's absolutely exceptional so I can't wait to dive in and get some insights from you so that our listeners can learn from it. So we'll talk a little bit about business owners because I believe that and I don't talk about this in the sense of just natural health practitioners but I mean all business owners Oh, hang on, I'll take that back. Not all business owners, let's say most business owners or some business owners really struggle with writing copy. And I'd love to know from you your thoughts on why you think it is that people struggle so much with writing copy. Yeah. So there's a couple of, it's a great question. There's a couple of pieces in here. So first of all, a lot of us come from corporate backgrounds, education backgrounds, and we've been taught to write in a certain way. And that's very third person, hands off, none of us is in it. Like we don't talk about our opinions, our emotions, um, or like who we are as people, right? So we're taught to write in a very distanced way. So that's the first hurdle people have to overcome. Because if you're a business owner writing about your offers and your business, you're inadvertently also writing about yourself. So it's giving yourself that permission to share your thoughts, your opinions, your values, and of course, sell your services. That's a big piece that people can struggle with. So that's the first hurdle. The second one is getting clarity. They can really struggle with that clarity and like, well, what is my message? What am I selling? Like, what does my ideal client need to hear? I'm sure we're going to talk more about that as we go along. So it's really getting that clarity about like what I want to say. Um, So that's the next piece that people can really struggle with. And then it's because copywriting is often thought of as the dark arts, right? Because people can write, like you can express your thoughts and your opinions, but copywriting is different. It's a way to market what you do in a way that the person who is reading it 
actually gets why they might want to invest with you or read more. That's a whole different ballgame, right? That's writing from the perspective of your ideal client. And honestly, when I started copywriting, I had to train my brain to do that. It's a skill. So that's a piece that people can um, struggle with as well. That's the third piece I often come across with people. And there's one more big one, and that's around conviction. So especially as women in business, finding real belief in what we do in a way that we can stand behind our work and the results that we deliver. I call that conviction. And for a lot of women, that's hard. It takes you know a while for them to really build that. And when you have it, it makes things a lot easier. While you're still building it, we waver. Like there's self-doubt issues. You know, there's um, those imposter and the comparisonitis, all those things I'm sure you've heard about. So um, probably quite a long answer there, but they're like they're four distinct pieces that people can struggle with in, in order to write that clear copy that's compelling. I think also professionalism is something that we've kind of been really taught from that, you know, younger age is that when you're going to put anything out there, it has to be professional. And a lot of the times professional comes across as a bit monotone as well. Yes. And you really highlighted there that people should be speaking from the perspective of their client, but using their own personality and their own um their own their own person. I don't know how to quite explain it, but it's it's getting themselves across in their own copy. And I think that's why a lot of practitioners also struggle is because they're trying to you know, err that line of being professional, but then having mm. copy that's quite boring that their clients don't resonate with and it doesn't work. And then there's this almost this assumption that uh, that Facebook marketing or, you know, blogs or things don't work because they haven't conveyed their message in a way that's going to attract their ideal client. So I think that's something that we do struggle with as well. And, of course, the imposter syndrome is a huge one. The minute that you start seeing other practitioners being really successful, you kind of start doubting yourself as well. So on that note then, let's talk about some effective copy techniques that natural health practitioners can use to communicate the tangible and the relatable benefits of their work. What are your suggestions? Um, yeah, got some good ones. but And just want to say that was an excellent point that you shared then because I call it unique copy, Y-O-U-Nique, right, because in order to stand out we do need to bring our personality and, you know, it's a great conversation to have because exactly as you said, people feel like they have to be professional, which can often end up being bland. So this is a permission slip to bring in your personality, allow yourself to be conversational. It's one of the biggest changes I support people to make. Be conversational in your copy. Talk to me like you would talk to a friend um, as much as you feel comfortable doing so because some people are like, oh, I'm not going to use swear words. And I'm like, fair enough. Like, you know, you, you do what you need to do, but think about like you want to come across in your copy like you would if you were in person with someone. So really great, um, like um, a stick to measure yourself against. Um, So copy techniques that can really support people to write in a relatable, tangible way is um, really get clear on what are those results. Like we're talking tangible outcomes, right? So what are the results that your client get? And I think about this in three different ways. I talk about three levels of results. So you've got your tangible result. So that's about like, I'm going to reduce my pain. Okay. Then it's like, well, why do I want that? So that's then what's the desired outcome? What does that mean? If I get to reduce my pain, does that mean I get to 
crawl around on the floor with my grandkids? Does that mean I get to run the marathon that I've been dreaming of? Um, you know, or does it just mean I get out of bed and I actually feel like I'm I want to like go forward and have fun in the day as opposed to like oh I feel pain again throughout the day, right? So what is that um, second piece there, which is the what does that tangible result? allow me to do in my life that I want to do and then there's a bigger picture you don't always need to use the like the big vision as I call it but it's like what is that it's always asking the question why so this is the result why do I want that and then why do I want that result really great question to get asking why does your client want that result so that's one thing getting really clear on those tangible results um Use your ideal client's language. This is a huge thing I see people not doing. You're speaking from your voice, your language, your perspective, but your ideal client's not there yet, right? So what is their perspective? What are they saying? What's the language they're using to explain their problem? Really big one that will help you write copy that resonates with your ideal clients. And then the last thing to look at from a copywriting perspective to help with that um connecting is what I call joining the dots. And this is around helping somebody join the dots between what's the problem they're experiencing, what is your solution, and then what is the result that they get, right? So if we're talking acupuncture, okay, the problem I might come with, we'll use pain again, right? My problem is pain. You're like, great, come, acupuncture is the solution, right? And then what's the result? pain-free days. So making sure in our copy we're joining those dots for our clients and that will make a huge difference in A, being relating, but then helping them see the tangible results they'll get if they invest. Mm, I love that. And I'll just highlight a point here that when we get out of school, we're not taught a lot of stuff in the way of running a business, but Mm. when you see kind of old school marketing and what a lot of people do is they'll put an ad out there with their logo, which they've spent so much time perfecting and their colors and their branding. And then it will say acupuncture, massage, and it will say whatever other services and their phone number and their website. And then they wonder why those things don't convert. And they're the things that we think (laughs) we need to tell everybody, right? They're the, these are the services. This is my amazing logo. This is my website. But they're not actually telling their clients what to do. They're not saying pick up the phone and call me. But also, why is a client going to look at that ad that's got your logo, that's got your services and want to see you? Because there's no personality behind that. It's exactly what every other person does. And I find Mm. that commonly when people put stuff on social media, they'll go, oh, social media doesn't work. But their ad doesn't say anything. It doesn't talk to their ideal client. It doesn't It doesn't talk about the results. And I think that's really, really key here. It's taking your clients on that journey exactly as you said. What is, mm-hmm. what is the tangible benefit and what is the result of that benefit? And when you can start speaking in that language, I think the difference in the connection with our, our patients or our prospective patients is exponential. So thank you for highlighting those. Now, you may have already covered this, but I will ask you on your website, you talk about there being four core copy elements that express the most value. Are those those ones mm. that you just touched on or is there anything else you'd like to add there? There is actually one more. So um, it's the four elements to help you articulate the value of your work. And so the first one is your person. So we haven't specifically said this, but your ideal client, like who is it? Like who are you actually trying to target or reach out to? So really getting clear on who your ideal client is, what is their problem? So that's what we just talked about. What are the problem or problems they're seeking solutions to? Um, the third one is, as you said, the the results. So we've just talked about that. And the fourth one is where possible being able to explain your process. So because sometimes in terms of developing that trust with our clients, they they want to know how. You're like, well, 
okay, I see that you say you're going to get me this result, but how does that work? And um, I work with a lot of coaches. So, of course, they'll have a, a, a process or a step-by-step process. And it might be for um, you know your practitioners. It's just helping people understand the methodology that they use or is there a step-by-step process that they do actually use to help you get the results. And it just alleviates that uncertainty because people buy when they're certain, like they buy your certainty. So if you're like, I know I can get you that result because here's the process we do and it works with all my clients. So that's the fourth piece is if you have a process, like a signature process or a methodology that you use, being able to share that is can be really um, illuminating and um, certainty delivering for your uh, ideal clients. Mm. Let's touch on that a little bit because when we look at our ideal clients, I see a lot of people putting content out there that says, what's the age of your ideal client? What's their demographic? I've even seen some that go into what does their house look like? What kind of furniture do they have? Where do they shop online or where do they shop in general? And there's a lot of very specific elements that people ask you to dig into to kind of really get to know your ideal client. For me personally, the psychographics, you know, understanding their fears and uh, their aspirations and all that stuff is far more important. But in most cases Mm. when people are, are telling Uh, business owners to find their ideal client, they're looking at the demographics. And one of those, again, is breaking down some more information about that specific client. But how does that even help? Like Knowing where somebody shops online, for example, and what their house might look like or what movies they watch or what books they read, it gets to help you know what we'll call the the client avatar. Mm. But how does that help someone actually connect with a client to work out exactly who their ideal client is in order to be able to target them with their marketing. So this might be controversial, but unless you're an e-commerce organization and you're looking to find specifically where people are online so that you can target them with ads, I don't really care a lot about the demographics. When I'm sitting in front of a brand new client, I want to know your what I call um, you know your niche. So what is the rough segment of the market? So for me, I'm like um, I work with women who are um, sole led business owners. Um, you know, there's usually just them and maybe a VA. Like so, that's that's me. And like they're usually coaches, transformational practice um, practitioners, or alternative therapists, right? So that's my niche. That's my that's my demographic. Then what I want to what I care about is what is your problem? Why is it a problem? right, which is getting into the mentality of it. That's the psychographics part. Like what do they want? Why do they want it, right? That's the stuff I care about that I want my ideal clients to know about in depth in order to write great copy. I was like, I don't care what last book you read. I don't care whether you're married or not. <laughs> I love it. I'm I so glad you said that. <laughs> I, um, I completely Tell me about problems and Yeah, problems and desires and how you help them solve those issues. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to see you find out and write it about. Yeah, that's fantastic. As I said, that's something I very much resonate with because I see a lot of practitioners coming in trying to go, well, my ideal client are both females and males. I don't know what age they are and I don't really know where they shop because everyone's different. But in reality, none of that makes a difference in writing your copy. I think it's important to drill down and kind of get to know who your ideal client is. But again, it comes down to those psychographics rather Mm -hmm. than the demographics and understanding their core needs and their core desires in order to be able to attract them in the first place. Perfect. So let's touch a little bit more on this again. And again, we've probably slightly covered this, but when you write copy, you want a client, a prospective client to say, how did you get in my head? 
how did you know that? How did you, like, it's you read that copy and you go, that person knows me so well. That's what makes that patient jump out, contact you, book on your website or whatever else. Is there anything else that you can touch on there that helps practitioners kind of write that copy that really speaks to their ideal clients? One of the things I often come across that the people don't do enough is really gather information from specific conversations or feedback forms or testimonials that reflect the commonalities in language around what they were struggling with and what they got out of working with you. Because um, that's often what happens. Like, I don't know how you know people come to me and they're like, well, I'm, I'm writing copy and it's not bad copy, but what they're missing is they're still using their language. And when I say, well, what's your ideal client's language? They're like, oh, I don't, um, uh, they're guessing at it. So you need a bank. Like this is a, this is a specific task that you can do and it will immediately make your copy better is gathering together in a Google doc or a Google sheet, whatever your favorite form is and putting it all there. So you can see what are the common phrases? What are the words people are using? Put those in your copy. Not your words, those words. Put them in the copy. It, and that's how you get people saying, how did you get in my head? Mm. That is how you get that response because the language you've used is exactly what they've said inside their head. Mm. And there will be commonalities. That's how you get to become a great copywriter because you start to spot those commonalities and you transfer them into what you're writing. One of the, That's one of the top tips I've got in terms of making it um, more resonant and getting that response because he doesn't want that response, right? Oh my God, how do you know that about me? <laughs> you know, and it's so important. So just one other piece about that is when your client sees that you know them almost better than they know themselves, that's an immediate trust builder. Like, so this is a huge goal to have um, when it comes to writing your copy. Like, the, you know, the first time you get somebody that says that, mate, celebrate that and then keep going. I love that. So then let's bridge that gap because we know that that's very much true. But how do you get those words? How do you find those words in your language? Now, there's one thing I can say immediately is you can always look at reviews from your competitors' websites and see what yes. comments are being um, laid there. You could probably send out yep. surveys to your existing clients. You could talk to people yes. that have that condition and listen to their words and ask them some questions and see what kind of language they're using and looking at those things mm. again, exactly like you said, bringing out the common phrases. Is there anything yes. else you can think of that helps a practitioner dig down and find the specific language that their clients are actually using? Yeah, everything that you've said. Um, in addition, you could do intake forms to capture the more information about the problem. So obviously intake forms before, feedback forms after to get the before and the after, um, as well as, yeah, surveys. And then another way you can also do is um, just like ad hoc. Um, this is more for, I'm not sure if this would work for um natural practitioners but you can just offer like consultations like 30 minute kind of free let's chat about free this calls. I'll give you and yeah yeah mm. free calls that's it sorry yeah free calls mm. um so that's another way and like there's there's no fast and other than that it's just looking um I know you can do some google searches like you know mm. what do people ask about this Yes. Um, I haven't, I can't give you too much detail because I've only, I haven't done it for years. Um, but that's also a great like starting point as well. Uh, and the reality is though, it just takes time is it's, you're gathering a database of information and that's through interactions with your ideal clients. Mm, answer the public, I think is one of those where you'll go in. That's it. And, yeah. Yes. You'll put in a keyword. 
and then it, the site brings up the who, what, when, hows of exactly the phrases that those patients are using around that keyword. So it's a really good way yes. to start yeah. Yeah, picking up some words that they're actually using as well and maybe even taking those phrases and putting it in Google and seeing what the responses are from there Great. to then further deep, de- deep down uh, into that as well. Let's talk about mistakes. So a lot of business owners will make some mistakes. And I, I should preface this as saying I don't believe that there's mistakes in business. I believe there's either mm. uh, wins or lessons. And so um, I use that word very lightly, but I'm sure you see things that business owners are doing in their business that they could probably potentially improve on. But I'd love to see or hear from you if there's anything that you see commonly that people will use in their copy or any kind of formatting issues or whatever it might be that you find might turn a reader off? Yeah, so uh, it's not so much turning them off but not grabbing them in the first place. Mm. And one of the things I am constantly talking about is encouraging people to move from conceptual talking about their work to the tangible stuff because what I see happens is when we say in the conceptual realm, so what that means you talk about self-love or you're just talking about confidence or you know, you're talking about leadership, they're big picture concepts. And it's not to say you know, that's not your area of expertise, but it comes down to those questions of like, well, how does that relate to me as your ideal client? So what is it about self-love that you want me to know? Or what is it that confidence is going to allow me to do? So it's bringing those concepts down into the tangible. Um, That's one of the really big things uh, I see. So it's like, well, and it's just asking that question of why. So I had a woman who came to me and she was like, oh, I teach people about confidence. I'm like, why? As in who? Like if it's women, why do they want confidence? If it's men, what do they want to do with that confidence? What's it going to allow them to do? So really getting down into that tangible is a big piece I see missing because if we stay conceptual, it stays in our mind, right? It literally swirls around at the level of our brain. When we go into tangible copy, that's real life stuff, it sinks, actually sinks into our body and we become more present to what you're saying, what we're, what we're reading. And it, creates a greater connection so that's one of the biggest pieces in addition to some of the things we've already talked about like speaking from um so that's the first one the second one which we have touched on is making sure you're not just speaking from your perspective but your ideal client's perspective i've got a great analogy for that one it's like imagining that you're sitting at a table with your ideal client and you're on opposite sides and the problems in between you like a vase in the middle right? They can't see your side of the vase. So if you're talking about what it looks like over here and they're like, oh, God, I don't even know how to like get around the vase yet. You know, they're just, they're not going to relate to what you're saying. So just making sure you're speaking from their perspective. So it's really relatable. Um, and then that last thing is definitely not talking enough about results. We really need to make sure we're talking about those results tangibly. Uh, so people know why why I want to listen to you more and also keep working, you know, invest in working with you. Mm, and there's something I'll touch on there as well, and that is that a lot of practitioners, it's not just the professional element, they also want to sound really educated. So they'll use big mm. words or things that make them sound more intelligent to the average person, not understanding that the average person is not going to resonate with that because they don't either know what it means or it's not wording in their own language as well. So I think that's something that a lot of practitioners do is try to make themselves appear more professional or more knowledgeable or more expert-like by using bigger words. There's something that somebody once told me, they were a journalist as well, 
And at first I thought, oh, that's a bit silly. We're not that stupid. But I absolutely loved it when I started thinking a bit more about it. And he said, whenever you write anything, it should always be targeted at a 13-year-old boy. That was his very specific wording, right? Yeah. And, said, and, and I said to him, but come on, we're, we're smarter than that. Obviously, we're older than, we're older than 13 because the audience we were reaching was women, you know, mostly women around about the age of 35 to 45. They were our ideal audience when we were pr- creating social media content for a brand that I was managing at the time. And I said, yeah. to him, why would you write to a 13-year-old boy? Because it's not your ideal audience. And he said, because most people are so busy in their own lives and their own heads, they don't have enough time to look into things or understand things in depth. You've just got to spell it out to them really, really simply. So I wondered what your thoughts are on that. Do you resonate with talking to a 13-year-old boy in a copy or do you think it's okay to kind of go above that level and sort of speak at a higher level that that they may not, they may, it may exert your expertise, but in my opinion, doesn't really resonate with that reader. It's a really great question. And I have had um, a couple of clients fall, who fall into this category and incredibly articulate, eloquent, and intelligent women. But what happens is when we use big words um, that whilst might be very familiar and easy to us, if you read a word and you don't know what it is, you have to pause and you have to go, oh, I'm not quite sure what that is. So that takes brain power and energy and effort that actually we don't want to expend as the reader. So um, I get it. Like I, I had had to work through this myself, but people just want to know, for me, it's about relatability. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know you'll, you'll listen to some people and you'll um, read some books because you will feel like they'll expand your mind and you'll be learning new things. But when we're looking for a solution to our problem, that's probably not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody that we understand that is relatable and who can show us how they can solve the problem. And sometimes that will mean introducing new concepts, you know. So someone who's very early, for instance, on their self-development journey won't necessarily know what shadow work is or inner child work is or, um, you know, various um uh, modalities that you can utilize in that. So they will have to learn those things and you'll have to, as a service provider, introduce them to those ideas. Like, so that's definitely something that, you know, each and every one of us will do in our businesses, but not all the time to the detriment of someone going, oh, look, you know, like, I think she's interesting and I kind of like what she has to say, but I don't always get it. So I'm going to go and find somebody else who's easier for me to relate to. That is not what we want to happen. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so, and again, it's that permission piece. Like it's it's really okay to just be you. Like that's one of the things that I would love um, anyone listening to take away. Like you truly just get to be you, be authentic, speak in your own language, um, and your ideal clients will resonate and find you, but it takes bravery because it can be vul- feel vulnerable for us to just be ourselves in business. So it's a great, you know, just a great um, point that I just want to add in there around like, you know, you get to be you. Mm, yeah, I love that. And we've kind of touched on this point, but it's another thing I want to highlight is the what's in it for me. Because when mm. people are reading copy as a practitioner, if you're sitting there talking about naturopathy is fantastic, my therapy is this and it does that. Again, if I don't know what my therapy is or if I don't know what naturopathy is, that's almost that instant disconnection because it means that person has to go out and read out and find out more about it. But when you focus on writing what's in it for them and looking at uh, what they're going to get out of 
whatever it is that you're offering to them, then you Mm. are speaking more in their language as well, rather than worrying about trying to impress them with lingo that they may not 100% get. And it might, the, the lingo might sound great to you because you're an intelligent person and you can read it. But if they can't connect with even one of those single words, like you said, that immediately disconnects them. It makes them pause. And, yeah. and I think there is that element of, oh, they're a bit too smart for me or I'm not going to resonate with them because I don't understand them, that kind of element of immediately not feeling connected to that practitioner as well. So, yeah, I Absolutely. think it's something that's important mm-hmm. to to highlight is, you know, thinking about when you're writing your copy, what's in it for your client, what are they going to get out of it? And it comes mm-hmm. right back down mm-hmm. to the tangible results or the tangible benefits and the results that come from that as well. Yes, I want to move on to storytelling. Uh, There's a woman that I met recently who's got a a great little business and she was talking about how all of her Instagram reels and stories are now focused around storytelling and she has had an explosion in her business just Mm. changing that one thing, just changing her copy to being generic stuff to being all about storytelling and now she's gone from being not that busy to being fully booked. So I want to touch on how incorporating storytelling into your copy can enhance the connection between the practitioner and the audience. And if there are any specific kind of storytelling techniques that we can touch on in this context that you think might help practitioners when it comes to producing content. Yeah, storytelling uh, is really great because it is a format that we subconsciously understand. We've been, you know, you know, and everyone will know this, we've been telling stories um, through the ages. So it's a really easy format for us to get and to pay attention to. For um, in terms of that, uh, it's um I use stories as um like you know, one quarter of my kind of content is around story. So it's great if you're not using any story, absolutely begin to bring it in. Um and so story is really great again, for that connection, for that relatability and for showing the journey of your customer or you, like if you want to, if you're sharing parts of your journey that are relatable or resonant for your ideal client. And if you're going to start, if you've not done storytelling and you want to just start with it, the really simple framework to use is like beginning, middle, end or, or um, you know, what in you can tell your case studies, like you can tell your client case studies, you can do interviews with them, or, you know, if you're doing a reel, just kind of talk about, you know, when people come to me, they're, they're struggling with this, you know, when we work together, I can uncover this. And when then we do that, that's the middle. And then it's like the end, but you know, what, what can happen? And you're sharing the possibility of that result at the end. So that's like a really simple way to tell that story is just recognize, where did they start? Like, what were they struggling with? That's the part of the story that always captures people because it's what we relate to. It's like, of course, we're talking about your ideal client. So it's like, what what is the commonality around what they're relating to? So, and tell somebody's story that way. When you're like doing your about page, for, for, for example, like the middle part is where was your pivot? You know, what was the turning point where you decided to do X or you changed your identity or your mindset or you did a particular healing protocol or, you know, studied uh, a certain um, style of therapy and then like what that then led. Because a lot of the times, and I'm guessing this, you know, you tell me if I'm wrong in with your community, you know, a lot of them got into their, uh, what they're, they're doing, their modality, because somehow they got 
um, exposed to it and saw the results in their own lives. Absolutely. So, you know, sharing like, so that kind of story, sharing that as well in your social medias, in your in social medias, in your social media, in your reels or your videos, but also on your about page, on your website, you know, is really important. And the thing about story is it's relatable. That's one of the reasons it kind of just cuts through the fray. It's really easy for us to digest of course, always as long as the hooks and headlines are intriguing to us, you know, that's when we'll make sure that we are watching. So mm. that's what I'd share about the story. Yeah, and it's always important to start with that high. As you said, there's got to be something that captures them in those first few lines. It's the high yes. of the story and then you'll come down to the low and then you'll finish on the high as well. Um, all right, so I want to ask you a question about content or writing copy for different platforms you've obviously got your website then you've got your different social media channels you might have your blog as well so how Mm. can practitioners adapt their copy to suit the different platforms while maintaining a consistent and compelling message and the reason I say that is because when you're on Instagram you're there for a different reason to why you're on Facebook and why you're on LinkedIn but what a lot of practitioners do is just promote the exact same content across all the different channels that they belong to and so they may resonate with if they if they're if the the content is more specific to Instagram might resonate with their Instagram audience but then they'll go pop that mm. exact same thing onto Facebook or LinkedIn where it doesn't resonate with their audience and that doesn't necessarily mean that LinkedIn or Facebook aren't right but it just means that content isn't quite delivering the value of what the person is there on that platform for but then you've got your mm. website where you don't know who's coming in to see you and what they're thinking on that end. I mean, of course, you're going to always write your copy for your ideal client anyway, but then you've also got a blog. So do you have any feedback on maintaining a consistent message across multiple platforms or do you suggest adapting your content depending on where it's being published? For me, this is actually more of a question of like what is the capacity for you and your business for posting on multiple channels? Um, depending on, cause if you're, if you're solo, like, so as an example, if you're a solo in business, I wouldn't encourage someone to be posting everywhere because that is, um, you're not going to have the time to adapt to everything to make it work optimally. Um, if you, so that's my first thing is actually, I wouldn't look at it from how do you adapt it? My question is, are you actually getting results from your core platforms, platforms first before you even then consider sharing it out everywhere else? Um, so a lot of my clients who are still solo, I talk to them about doing a core piece of content. So that's either going to be your blog, your newsletter, your podcast, or your YouTube video, depending on which one is your chosen platform. And then chunking it down to share on social media to then, um, you know, repost on uh, LinkedIn. So, and then when you have the capacity, go ahead and start tweaking or hire a VA to figure out, um, to, to tweak it in a way that lands better on the different platforms. But so, yeah, the first question for me is really like, what is your key platform? Is it working on there? Like, are you, do you have a core content strategy that you are delivering? Is it working? When it does, then find the next level. When it when that's working, then find the next level. So that for me would be the thing I would encourage people to do because if you're trying to post everywhere all the time and you don't have the capacity and you don't know what's working anyway, then it's actually a wasted effort. Start small, make that sure that's working, then grow into each of the different platforms as and when you can or mm-hmm. as and when you can hire people to help you do that. Mm, I love that. And I think that's a big issue amongst a lot of practitioners, a lot of business owners in general, I should say, 
is that they're trying to be everywhere because there's this yep. belief that you need to have this omnipresence across all these different channels in order to be able to be seen by more people. But what you're doing is effectively watering down your efforts because you cannot put 100% of energy into being the perfect content for LinkedIn and for your website and for Facebook and for Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. So nail what you're doing exactly. on a single platform and then mm. look to move towards other platforms. So I absolutely love that advice. Now, thank you for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've already given us lots and lots of golden nuggets, but I always finish my podcast with the same questions. And that is, if you were to give just one piece of advice to natural health practitioners aiming to build a successful business that they love, what would it be? Um, My general philosophy when it comes to business is encouraging people to recognize you get to do business your way. And so that means being authentic in your content, producing content the way that you want to, running your practices the way that you want to, that fulfills you. Because we are in this for the long haul. Like we want this to be sustainable. We want to actually enjoy our business on a daily basis. And unless we are focusing on how does this work for me and remembering and acknowledging and believing we get to do business our way, it can be really tricky because we're trying to do it in other people's ways and we just end up being in a box which is very unfulfilling and um, de, what's that other word? Motivating. motivating. Yeah, de- demotivating and unsatisfying, exactly. So um, that that would be my, my key, that's my kind of key philosophy around business Um, And, of course, that other piece, um, which we touched on a little bit today, is really understanding that, you know, business is practical and it's also energetic. We've got to work on our mindset. We've got to work on being able to receive and be more visible. Like all of that is inner work stuff. So that's the other piece I know is, is huge. Just keep chipping away, like at those beliefs, like expanding what you believe is possible for yourself and keep at it. And then you will inadvertently, like you just, you can't help but then grow with your business as well. Mm, I really love that. And it's something that as practitioners we are so guilty of and that is undervaluing ourselves and our services because we want all of our patients to be able to afford our care and we want to help as many people as possible. But when you're not living your ideal business life and that is you're undervaluing Mm. yourself, then you start having those feelings of resentment. When you do start getting a little bit busier, you can't keep up with everything because you're trying to be everything to everybody. And so I really love that what you said, it's all about, you know, having a a business that works for you and setting yourself in a capacity that allows you to work in the way that you want to work. And and here Mm. is the everybody listening that you can do that and you can do that from the start. And if you do it from the start, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier than if you wait (laughs) till you get really, really burnt out and you've got patients coming to see you at really low fees and uh, and you're working insane hours. So I think, you know, it's really important to value yourself. And I really, really love that advice. Lynn, it's been a pleasure. Mm. Please tell my listeners how they can find out more about you, your copywriting programs and your coaching. Um, well, thank you very much for having me, Neil. I really appreciate it. I love talking all things copy. So uh, thanks for having me on. And um, so if anyone wants more information, check out my website. So www.linhord.com. Uh, my favorite platform of choice is Facebook. I share a lot on there. So that's at Lynn Hoard Joy on uh, Facebook. And I have... Um, some wonderful freebies around message makeover and I've got a brand new one coming out around your soul client workbook. So if you want to hop on to my mailing list, which you can do on the website, um, you'll get access to those as well. Excellent. And I'll have all of the links in the show notes as well. Thanks again, Lynn, for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, Anil. 
Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle Supercharged My Practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.